Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Just Browsing Podcast. I'm your co-host, Zach, back again with Matt today. And we are finally delivering Fine. on our, our long-awaited and long-promised follow-up to the Peaky Fucking Blindest Podcast. I mean, it, this will be uh, for Season 6, because we did one yes. regarding... Well, we, I think we did it before Season 6 was released, where we discussed the whole show up to the new season. So Correct. this will just be more of a... Season six to looking forward. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert for those of you that have yet to yeah. see we always Peaky forget Blinders. Um, season six, if you <laughs> haven't even seen season one and you're going to try and listen to this, that go for it if you want. But this is a spoiler alert. If you have yet to see Peaky Blinders season six and you look forward to watching it and you haven't yet, spoiler alert. Yes, we always forget to say that for whatever reason and then we start just launching into like a bunch of spoilerific territory. So... Yes, thank you for saying that. that. Spoiler alert for Season 6, Peaky Blinders, which only came out June June. in the U.S. here on Netflix. Yeah, well, Um, that's why I was like, you know, I said Season 6 and beyond, and I was like, wait a second, people don't know what happened in Season 6. So, we did do, for anyone who's tuning in, and if you are a Peaky Blinders fan and you're looking forward to listening to this discussion of Season 6... Um, and you haven't heard, go back and check out our first episode we did on, it's, it's literally called The Peaky Fucking Blinders, uh, back in February, I believe, is when yep. I, I was just looking at that earlier. So we discussed basically seasons one through five, everything up to season six, um, because after badgering Matt about it for years, he had finally binged all of Peaky Blinders, and we were, we were all obsessed with it, so we were talking about it earlier this year. It's one of my favorite shows, it's has, so has been for years now. Um, I think I started watching it when I was in college, but season six aired earlier this year on the BBC and then finally came out in the U.S. on Netflix in uh, June, some point in June. And I watched it. It's been a couple months now, but I watched a little couple recap videos and it sounds like you did too, and, and now we're here ready to talk I mean, about it. So there's so much that happens because... <clears throat> so just to kick it off, it starts out with... Well, to end season five, it was the assassination attempt that was... The plot got spoiled, and we didn't know who. All of a sudden, you had... Um, I can't remember... Um, Gold. Why, why can't I remember his first name? Aberama. Aberama. That's why. I, wanted to, say, weird, I, I wanted to say Alabama, name. but I'm like, it's not Alabama. Alabama Gold. But he's he's dies. Yeah. Um, the guy they got out of, that Tommy took out of the insane asylum that he was at war the with. Sniper the guy. sniper guy. He dies, and then you find out that Polly dies. But you don't see her death... Right, it's off screen. Um, it's off off screen, <clears throat> but I think the reason that happened was because the actress that played her actually passed away in real life, mm-hmm. so they had to kill her off in the show. And R.I.P. to her name was what Helen McRory? Is I that believe so. Right? Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. to her. She's um, a phenomenal actress. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she passed away between seasons, so they. You know, as a way of writing her character off the show, she dies off screen as part of that foiled right, assassination right. attempt it, that Tommy were... had organized to kill um, the fascist leader Oswald Mowbray. Right? Yeah, that's that guy's name. Um, so yeah, that's how season five ends, and then coming into season six, you end up finding out that um, Polly dies as a result of that, and same thing with obviously Abraham Gold because you see that happen on screen, and it's like this big blow to the blinders but also a mystery as to how that how it, know, got it, it was this carefully orchestrated assassination attempt on oswald mowbray and it got 
so the information that they were doing that got leaked somehow, and it was it was devastating. Well, and to we have the, to remember to that the Shelby family. So. Michael now has his American piece. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's and she's a, a that, real bitch. That's an important piece because I think Michael Gray comes into the show like what season three or something, season two or three, it was somewhere late, in late there. season two or early season yeah. three. Um, he gets introduced as as Polly's son. Yep, um, and. In, in season five, I think that's a crucial point to bring up because he goes off to America and he's supposed to be managing the like legitimate business side of everything for the Shelby Corporation. Tommy kind of trusts entrusts that part of it to him and kind of as a promise to Polly to like keep him out of like right. the dirtier underworld side of right, the business, the, the gang side yeah. of it. The- and in doing so, he gets this American girlfriend who then later becomes his wife, and you find out. Kind of late season five, and especially into season six, she is directly related to like some big badass gangster in the he's U.S. A, he's a like South Boston gangster, yeah. that and comes some guy in. who's a big like bootlegging type, like sort of uh, Al Capone ish right. figure in Boston. Um, and they are, you know, in in season five, they start setting up a potential showdown between Tommy and Michael well, because, because Michael lost the company millions of dollars right, because that right. was when the Great Recession like started yeah. to happen. Yeah, and so he lost them all his sorts of money. And then at the end of it, and at the well, at the start of season six, um, Michael blames Tommy for his mom's death. Right, that it was his fault. Yeah, when. You don't ever find out throughout season six, but I believe Michael tipped off, um, or he told. Well, no, because his girlfriend or wife at the, whatever she was at that time was in the their bar when um, Tommy went over the plans for this. Mm-hmm. So it was everyone he trusted, and then those two. And I think she probably tipped off her uncle. Her uncle tipped off. You know, like it was just like those two were the the whole cause of that plan being foiled yeah. because well, they had their own agenda that they came back to. Yeah. So they start to set up this upcoming rivalry and kind of war between Tommy and Michael in season five, just over differences in like Tommy's reluctance to let Michael in and trust him fully as part of the Shelby's and all that kind of stuff. And then obviously you know, you can see kind of immediately from the time Michael is with... What is his wife's name? Do you remember her character's name? I'll look it up real quick. Look, look it up while we're talking. But from the minute she comes into the show, you can immediately tell, oh, she's getting in his head and filling his head with big she was grand ideas. It. Yeah, you, you, you can tell she's kind of... She's pulling some puppet strings on Michael and causing him to doubt his loyalty to the blinders and causing him to view Tommy as this enemy figure rather than like a mentor and older brother figure and all this kind of stuff. So they're setting all of that up from the get-go in season five. And then obviously with what happens with the failed assassination attempt on Oswald Mowbray at the end of season five, and then as you start season six, you find out Polly dies because of this. And then Michael fully blames Tommy as a result of that. And he's saying it's you know, he keeps saying repeatedly, it's like it was it was one man's ambition Gina Gray. and his Gina Gray. That's who it was. Okay, um, it was one man's ambition and his overreaching that caused your death. You know what I mean? Like he's kind of like talking to Polly from beyond the grave, and you you can tell immediately from the beginning of season six, like oh, now this war between them is fully on because Michael's mom was killed in his mind as a re- direct result of Tommy's ambition. Right. Correct. So he blames him 100% for Polly's death. So that's how it starts. And you have this 
It's worth mentioning, too, between the ending of Season 5 and the beginning of Season 6, there is a little bit of a time jump. I'm not sure how many years. I think it's four years. years. Four years, something like that. And in the meantime, Tommy has quit drinking completely. Um, He's like... Kind because of quit being like a gangster and committing murders and shit like that. Because at the trying. end of season five, he tried to commit suicide and yes. he failed. Well, yeah. And they, so season five ends with that massive cliffhanger of him walking off into the field. It's all foggy and he holds a gun up to his head and then it's just fade to black. Right. So you're like, well, does he kill himself? What happens? And obviously season six starts off. He does pull the trigger. But his family like knew he was starting to be like super depressed and kind of lose control of his mental faculties, and they had emptied his gun of bullets. And he has this kind of like come to Jesus sort of thing of like, you know what? I actually there's more I need to do here before I leave this earth. And he kind of like picks himself up, and that's how he moves forward in season six. And then you have that four year time jump, and he's since then he's quit drinking, he's quit being like this like. Doing more of like the hardcore, like murdering and beating right. the shit out of people. He's trying to go a little more straight and narrow. And obviously, he's a he's a member of the British Parliament. You know, he's a politician. He, he's, he's trying a, to set it because his wife. You know, he's got his son, and then he has his daughter Ruby, and yeah. he's got his wife, and mm-hmm. he's trying to get away to where he can go go away. They, their plan is for them to all move to Canada, right, and yeah. start kind of a new life, yeah. And get get out of Birmingham. And, but before and, and, he does any of that, he wants to make sure that the right. Shelby family's taken care of. Right. Yeah. So he's like, I got to finish. I have to yeah. do this. And then we'll go. And right. then once right. we get there and we get settled right. down, it, it'll just be us. Like, Things will be different. Right. It'll be a slower life. I promise. I'll put all this down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. We'll have a set income. Yeah. We'll be making our money. And we right. won't be doing anything that where people can come to us. And you yeah. know, the authorities can come to us and take yeah. all of it away. And obviously... That doesn't happen. Things go awry yet, because yet. we wouldn't have season six of Peaky Blinders if that was the case. And he just rode off into the sunset. Um, but anyway, saying that, season six, I'll, uh, let me ask you this before we kind of get into some of the more like plot details and spoilers around uh, season six. What did you think? Like, did you like it? What was your initial reaction to it once it ended? Well, so they said that there's not going to be a season seven, but that they're going to kind of wrap up the whole series in kind of a movie style yeah. episode. Um, I don't know. They left me thinking there's going to be an actual like six plus episode season seven. So I was looking this up before I came over today. And as far as I understand it, based on every all the like quotes that I've read from Stephen Knight is the guy who created the show, wrote and wrote and created the show. I don't think there are plans for a season seven, like multiple episode season, but there is going to be a Peaky Blinders movie with like a movie budget. So that is going to take place post the events of season right. it's, six. It's going to be season seven, technically. Yeah, it'll be season seven, but it'll just be a two and a half hour long movie or however long. Right. And, and he's going to have like a movie budget to do this with. And it. what I've heard so far, there's not like a lot of plot details that have been released, but it has something to do with... It's going to involve the Peaky Blinders in in World War Two. Some that's going to right be because somehow we're at the, the, the we're at the start yeah. of like the whole Nazi movement and, right. and during season six, right. there you know you have the fascist party which is yeah. who's trying to attract Tommy and mm-hmm. you know like that was who he was trying to kill was the fascist party who was yep. the English Nazis and well and he's been doing this whole thing really since he got this actual bona fide political position in British Parliament he's been doing this whole thing of like. He's outwardly the leader of the Socialist Party, right? 
or one of the lead, not the the leader, but like a member of the Socialist Party. In right, because government. they're trying to stop socialism. Yeah, but he's acting like he's going to join up and join fascism with Oswald Mowbray just so he can get in with Oswald and his organization. Right. And then all the while, he's secretly reporting all this back to Winston Churchill because Winston right. Churchill's trying to keep a finger on the pulse of what's going on with the fascism movement and you know because he's obviously seeing the beginnings of what is later going to become world war ii and that whole struggle with the fascist movement starting in germany and all that and it's just kind of the this is the british version of that you know they were also dealing with a fascist movement within their country so i honestly it's been kind of fascinating because i think season one starts like 1919 or something somewhere in there it's like post-world war one but not by much like they just got back from yeah yeah, in France, and now it's gone all the way through to like the mid 1930s. By the time season six ends, I think so. It's like it's amazing to see how he's related this, what is based on an actual gang in Birmingham, right. London, from the early 20th century. From bookmakers at a race course, yeah, from like horse from racing, bookmakers in horse racing in 1919, all the way through to like trying to take down the fascist party in the mid 1930s, right. like. It's honestly pretty incredible where he's taken it, and I really, really like that spin on it and how, you know, there's a there's one thing, and I think I talked about this when we did our Peaky Blinders episode in February, but there's a moment where during season five when Tommy's first interacting a lot with this Oswald Mowbray guy and he's kind of getting an idea of how truly evil this dude is and, like, how sinister he is. He's having this discussion with Oswald Mowbray in... Tommy's official parliament office like at you know some government building right and he leaves and then Arthur and you know uh, what's their other brother's John. name John come in and they're having a conversation to talk about Peaky Blinders stuff and Tommy has some comment to them like boys we have taken down some really evil people before he's like that man that just, that just walked by you just left my office he is hands down the most evil enemy we right. have faced to this point and that that really I thought was like a powerful moment in that season of Tommy's a smart guy. He's really smart. That's what makes his right. character he, he so always compelling. Tries to think like ten steps ahead. He's, he's like ten chess moves ahead of everyone all the time. And if he's saying that after all the people that they've all the adversity they've had to overcome, if he's looking at this guy and being like, "This is the most evil, sinister person I've ever seen," and he's a fucking gangster. So what does that tell you about what politicians? Does that, what does that tell you about how evil Oswald Mowbray is and and how sinister and and powerful just, politicians? Let's, let's be real; can it's be. just all politicians are evil. Yeah. Well, and and it's really interesting, obviously, watching this you know, way post World War Two and we understand what happened with the history of that war and what led up to that war. And now you're seeing these characters, you know, there there had to have been, in fact there were many people who saw the writing on the wall before World War Two happened and it was stuff like that. People right. like Oswald Mowbray leading the fascist party. And there was a lot of people looking at that going, I don't like where this is trending. This is concerning to me. Right. And it just you know, it's very it's very sinister in that way where it like slowly grew and grew and gained more followers and they got well, more and more they aggressive. Got so powerful so like, quickly whew. though that it's just like scary shit, man. So it, it's interesting watching this from the perspective of someone who obviously knows the history of these times going, Oh, you're right. He's one of the most well, evil because there's a guy just like him in Germany who's starting some shit who's right. gonna really fuck things up here in a few years. Well, you know? and that's why he partners with the IRA. Right. 
And then the IRA wants to partner with the Boston yeah. with, um, what was her name that we said? Gray's. Gina Gray. Gina Gray's. Her uncle. Uncle, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, they all want to partner together. And so Tommy's trying to make all this massive partnership work, mm-hmm. even though I think the IRA and the fascists hate each other. Yeah. But then the Boston guy wants to meet the fascist because he yeah. wants to start the American side of it and start to kind of cultivate well, and that. He's supposedly over there as like an unofficial underworld emissary of the president of the United States right. to see what's going on with fascism in Europe. That's another interesting angle of this whole thing. And that's right. why he's obviously that guy's over there looking to make a bunch of money via, you know, illegal deal, underworld deals involving illegal booze and whatever else. He and then to allow on. Tommy to trade opium in Boston, yep. that was yep. where Tommy was like, we need to get the opium into the U.S. Yeah. And you run the Boston port more or less. So right. we need to go through you for right. distribution. And then the IRA is like, well, we have weapons. And then yeah. everyone's like, well, we always want weapons. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, we'll work with you guys. But then you guys have to do this. And it's just like. So it's a big, you know, they're all, all these parties are coming to the table and they're saying, okay, here's what I'm looking for. You can provide me with this, but you're, you have something you need that I can provide you right. with. And they're all kind of doing that. And they're going, okay, so if I give you this. But none of them trust each other. And none of them trust each right. other. And, and they're all kind of working as unofficial emissaries for very powerful right. political figures in their various countries, which I think is fascinating. And then you have the whole thing with, so that's all kind of going on in the, the big higher like bird's eye picture of right. like geopolitical chess moves being made. And then you also have the actual like boots on the ground sort of gangster stuff of like the opium deal. And Michael gray is coming over to meet Tommy in Canada to talk about this opium deal, but then he gets as, him arrested as uh, homeboy Gray's uh, emissary, and then and he's he's you know Michael you can tell is setting up this whole plan to have Tommy killed right. for because as, now as he thinks he's for, all powerful within right. the U.S. right mob or whatever. Yep, he his wife's uncle yeah. is in charge of like he thinks he's power like as mm-hmm. he thinks like, he's, he's a big he time thinks player. He's like a captain yeah. in the yeah the organization. And he's not really. He's he's. Michael, I really like the way they displayed his character, especially during like the end of season five and season six, is he's very he thinks he's a lot smarter than he is. Right. But the people who are really outmaneuvering him look at him like, dude, you're in over your head. Like the Tommies of the world and the Oswald Mowbrays of the world and even his wife right. are like, You're in over your head, man. Like you're you're playing with the big boys now. Right. Like they make you think that you're doing you. great. Like yeah. you're they're like, Yeah, you're doing great, but yeah. like I was expecting this three weeks right. ago. Like yeah. I knew that this moment was going to happen. Right. I'm, so I'm already, I'm already I, planned for yeah. it. Yeah, I've, I've planned for this eventuality, and I have contingencies well, in place. Well, and Tommy gets him arrested, and yep. then he because he tells the authorities that he has opium on him because yeah. he planted the opium on yeah. him, and then so he's basically Michael is basically sidelined for most right. of the season because he's in prison, and then so his wife starts trying to kind of step out a little bit beyond her role that she should really be having and get a little and you can kind of there's a little bit of like she's super power hungry as well you can tell oh, yeah. and she's trying to leverage her relationship with her uncle to get in this position where she's more powerful than Michael and she can kind of like have him under her boot or right. her heel all the time and by doing so she gets mixed up and she gets in over her head and there's um I'm trying to think of the other... Oh, so let's touch on Arthur for a second, too. Arthur... Uh, he went from being 
you know, good and healthy and a Christian, having a wife and kid, and all of a sudden he's just an opium addict. And yeah. So Arthur's one of my favorite characters in the show. Oh, he's got to be the best. And he's throughout most of the show, he's the muscle of the Shelbys. Like, if you need someone to go into some bar somewhere and beat the living shit out of a rival gang, Arthur's your guy. Yep. He's going to get some guys with him. They're going to storm in there with some brass knuckles and just beat the shit out of people. And he's a he's a fucking maniac. Like that's who Arthur right, is. He's, he's an absolute. He's out of his mind. He's and a World he's, War One veteran who came yeah, back. He's to a Birmingham World War One and veteran with severe PTSD who is a gangster and who has a penchant for drugs and alcohol. He's and a violence. full-on addict. Yeah, and, and violence. He's clearly. like he's addicted to violence. Yeah. So he had that whole arc through like the last couple of seasons where he was like a cokehead and an alcoholic and just flying off the rails and then he gets his wife Linda and she kind of reins him back in he's he becomes a Christian one with God. And he's, he's all peaceful he grows out his hippie hair and he's no longer doing drugs and drinking and then that stops the whole chingretta things happen flies <laughs> off the rails again and then when this season starts he's really not coping well with the death of Polly right and, and, and the because whole, Polly shot his wife and yeah. so she left yeah. And took the kid. Yeah. And he's just not handling what has happened to him recently very well at all. And he's super addicted to opium. And Ada, the sister, keeps having to go into Chinatown Dude, and find him. Let's just be real. Passed out Ada, in an opium den on the floor. Tommy and, might be the brains of that family, but Ada, I think, is really the brains of that family. Like, she, and Ada's the heart. She's, she runs that family. I, I really like her character a lot. I thoroughly enjoy it. I, it, it was. I always got a little bit bummed out when she got kind of more sidelined and wasn't a more central part of prior seasons. And I liked how she was actually a pretty big part of this season six. Well, I think she's a big part of it because Tommy's daughter, Ruby, becomes sick. Yes. So so this is like that's a another, massive part yeah, that spans a probably half the season. Big plot point. She here. gets sick, <clears throat> which then takes... With tuberculosis. Yeah. Right. And Tommy believes that, you know, because they're gypsies, so they believe in yeah, the, the magic like and, gypsy, and yeah. the, that kind of shit. So he believes it's a curse. So that they he has to go find who put the curse on her and, and all of this shit because and then, so it's like it takes him away from from yes. the whole Shelby Limited. Yeah. Uh, everything with the family he's, because he's, he's dealing solely, with that it. it's that's just it. Ruby yeah. and that's yeah. all he cares about. And so he goes off on this goose chase to find because what he believes is whoever gave him um, that necklace that he put on his first wife. Yeah. Um, when she got, was shot and killed, he believes that was cursed. So then he gave it to someone uh-huh. saying, no, it's not cursed, whatever. Well, apparently he comes to find out in the season that that lady gave it to her daughter. Well, she died when she was six and Ruby uh-huh. is now six. Yep. And so he's off in the mountains and he <laughs> finds John's wife. That's what I was wife, about to get to, yeah. And, you know, because they're gypsies, so they're always moving and she's and like traveling. full gypsy. And she's full gypsy. Yeah. So she helps find, like, the grave of this six-year-old. And then she helps Tommy find the family of this lady uh-huh. who he believes put a curse on Ruby. Well, and then he just slaughters all of them. Well, and he and slaughters all of them right after he goes. He runs back into, like, town from right. the mountains to go check in on his daughter who's in the hospital that he also owns. He like bought right. and, and built that hospital with his money and he finds out she died. She died and they were doing this gold treatment, which was like taboo yeah. at the time to uh-huh. fight tuberculosis, but it was like it could work or it could kill her. Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of like um, medicine today. It's either going to uh, work or it's going to kill you. Tommy's wife is, what's her name again? 
He's had three main like love interests throughout the show, but she's the one that he ends up having these kids with. Um, totally forgot her name. But while you look for her name, um, she so he he comes back from the mountains after talking with John's you know widowed wife and trying to figure out everything going on with the curse and everything. So he runs back into town to check on what's going on with the actual hospital and the modern medicine. And she's like on the front steps of the hospital bawling. And she's like, where were you? Lizzie Shelby. Lizzie. Lizzie. That's right. And she's basically like, where were you? She's, she's gone. She's, Ruby's gone. Right. And so Tommy is devastated. Like, obviously, as you would be if your six-year-old daughter passed away. And he is... They have this funeral and they're, you know, they're doing like a gypsy funeral where they put them up in like one of those little kind of almost like a stagecoach type thing. Right, the, the wagons that they w- move With a bunch of like her worldly belongings and they light it on fire after saying a few words. With her he, in it. He wants, yeah, with her body in it. It's kind of like a cremation ceremony and he's trying to get Arthur to say a few words and Arthur like can't. He's right. just too, because obviously that was his, you know, his niece and he's. Still all fucked up on opium. But I think his wife was at the funeral, too. I think Tommy was able to get his wife to show up for Arthur. And Arthur was like... Because Arthur, throughout the season, was beating the shit out of some guy that his wife was talking to. Oh, yeah. That's right. I mean, beat the shit out of him with the chair. Yeah. That was fucking... That was one of my... Like, the... He's like, waiting. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're talking. He's like, whoop. Just (laughs) wails on him with the chair. I'm like, yeah, get him, Arthur. Yeah, yeah. Fuck him up. And then... So... And then Arthur... What is... I forget exactly. Tommy says something to Lizzie and his son and then like walks away as the fire's going and, and Lizzie's like, where are you going, Tommy? And all this kind of, And he says something about like, I have no, he keeps repeating like, I have no limitations. I have no limitations. Like right. the whole season. And he's off to get revenge. Oh, and I think that's where he goes. He goes back up into the mountains and slaughters that, right. that woman's family with, that was ta- that, you were just talking about with the necklace right. that he thought was cursed. And then that's when he finds that leads into John's widow tells him Tommy has a long lost son, right. like a bastard son that he from a one a night stand, yeah, a one night stand from twenty years ago or whatever. And he this gypsy kid has been living with you know her band of traveling gypsies, right. and so and he rolls back into town. So he rolls back into his town son. following the death of uh, his daughter. Ruby. And he's like, hey, Lizzie and the, all of the rest of the Shelby family, this is my long-lost son, Duke. Duke. And everyone's like, what the fuck? And obviously and Lizzie is like, losing her fuck mind. you. Yeah, she's just totally losing her mind, which, you know, I don't think Tommy could have imagined that going down very well. <laughs> um, I think he didn't care at that point, though, because I yeah. think he was so mad. And then I think – but the way he <laughs> processed, like – he shows he has emotion, but he doesn't have emotion. Like, mm-hmm. he went through something traumatic, and he's like, I got to go to the next thing because she's dead. I can't do anything about it. I yeah. have to just keep yeah. focused. I still have a son and a wife, and now I yeah. have a second son. Well, and, and then there's a, focused. there's a final nail in the coffin for Lizzie's relationship with Tom with Tommy when, you know, the the lady who's dating or married to Oswald Mowbray, she starts explaining during one of their many meetings with uh, the gray guy from Boston and, and Tommy at Tommy's and house. Yep. She's explaining how, oh yeah, all us fascists and all us like big political power movers, we we're all sleeping with each other. Right, we sleep with swingers. each other's spouses, and yeah, it's that's this is it's like a handshake for the elite or whatever. Right. She says she says something. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but she says something like that. And so Tommy's like, okay, he basically sees that she's trying to manipulate him into having sex with her or else she won't give him what he needs to right. move forward with his plan. So he ends up sleeping with her, and then she has 
some comment at like a dinner, basically that saying like to yeah. to Lizzie like oh like your husband's you know gave me good dick basically right. you know, and Lizzie's just like are you fucking kidding me, and stomps out and that's just like it for their relationship basically and then and then they leave yeah and then they leave and then there's this a huge plot point. Is this doctor? So while Tommy was in the hospital, Tommy's doctor, his personal, yeah, doctor. his personal doctor, they got X-rays because you know Ruby had tuberculosis and tuberculosis is contagious. So they were giving them X-rays to see if they had it, and they didn't. But Tommy's doctor comes to his house and says, "Hey, while we were doing all those scans, we found you have a brain tumor in your head, right. and it's too far along. We can't do anything about it, and you have about a year to live, basically." Right. So more or less giving so, Tommy a time frame of when he's got to get all of his ducks right, in a row. Exactly. Get shit figured exactly. out. But Tommy, so, so, so um, I can't remember his son's name, but not, not Duke, but the, the younger the, one. Yeah, his younger son. Yeah. But um, Lizzie takes him and they're gone. Like yeah. they just, they're, they're gone. And he, Tommy's and, like torn up about it, but he's like, you know, it is what it is. So, I fucked up. Right. I'm going to just fix it. So this. then he like, had them ransack the house more or less. He told... Right. The Peaky Blinders show up. We're going to take everything out. Right. And we're going to just going to blow this thing up. Yeah. And so, like, they go in there. And then Finn, his youngest brother. Oh, yeah. That's a good side they, plot that they, we should talk about. Yeah. They asked Finn to kill. Um, the other bookie guy. The, it's the guy who's, like, they bring in and, like, He was, like, a soccer ref. Five. Yeah, he was a soccer that ref. That wouldn't, cha- or wouldn't they, throw games. Yeah, yeah, and they looped him into, like, Basically, they basically conned and forced him into being a part of their bookmaking operation of right. like fixing games, fixing soccer right. matches. And he and he was the one in charge of going to like the referees, yeah, yeah. and the, the teams being like, "You're going to throw this game, right?" And here's and how much you're going to get paid. Here's how much you're going to yeah. get paid, and all yeah. this. And he didn't. And they find out that guy's a rat, right? Because uh, Gina Gray's uncle had gotten to this dude and was like, "You need to inform on the blinders from within their organization to me, right?" Or else I'm gonna so he's snitching, castrate you or whatever. And then he tells Finn, so Finn knows. So yeah. then, and Tommy then finds out. Tommy finds so out. Tommy about all orders this. Yeah. Finn to kill him at the house. Uh huh. And Finn fucking bails because he's a little bitch. Finn tries to shoot Duke, right? Who, who's and there? Duke ends and up shooting and killing him. And not Finn, but the no, other no, no, no. He yeah, kills yeah. the the bookie guy. He kills the bookie guy, and then they kind of kick Finn out. Kind right. of right. Right. Duke looks at him and he goes, "Leave." Yeah. And um. Uh, is it Josiah? Is he the the black guy? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So he's was like best friends with Finn, but he also he's a Peaky Blinder before mm-hmm. he's friends with Finn. Yeah, and he looks at Finn like, yeah, get the fuck out. Like, yeah. So they more or less are like, this is it. Like, you leave and you don't come back. Yeah. So like that was the last you like see you're of a, Finn. Like you're a Shelby, but you're not a Blinder. You're right. not a Peaky Blinder. And then and they it, and Duke is like by order of the Peaky Blinder. Right. Like, oh shit, here we go. Yeah. So it like starts <laughs> like a whole, and then this is kind of at the end of the season. So right, it's like right. starting to like shape up. Yeah. And then they, I, I can't remember if they level the house, like blow it up, or if they just burnt it. No, they blow it up with like dynamite. Right, okay, yeah. so they, so they blow it up, and, and Tommy's like, "We're just gonna move on." And like, yeah. well, he's up in the in the mountains with his gypsy trailer because yeah. he believes he's gonna die. So he's yeah, he he told the family like he's going away, like yeah. all this shit, and then he's having these images of Ruby coming and being like, "Dad, like." What are you doing up here? And yeah. so, you know, he's talking. So, right, yeah, right before this, I'll let you continue, but right before this, he's kind of set, everything's been wrapped up from his perspective of like, okay, I've, I've crossed all my I's, or I've crossed all my T's, dotted all my I's. Right. 
And now I've set up my family, you know, like I would kind of wish things here and there would have gone a little bit better, but it is. Oh, we're, we're forgetting like one of the biggest I was fucking <laughs> plot. I, I started say, thinking about, I looked at the game and I was like, we were, we were, we're getting totally skipping. We, we were massive. Yeah, part we were getting this. a little bit too far. So back up, rewind a little bit. Are we talking about the Michael Gray whole oh, portion yeah. of this? Yeah, that was, okay. we forgot okay. to tell you that. Well, I think you said it at the beginning where Tommy is going over to Canada to work on um, setting up his family for the future. Yeah, and then setting up Shelby Limited to mm-hmm. bring the opium in through Boston and Canada and all this shit. So yeah, he goes over there on the initial trip when Ruby. And this is before. So this is before Ruby is sick. Right, beca- right. Or she just starts getting sick yeah. as he leaves because Lizzie and Ruby were supposed to join him in Canada. Uh-huh. And they end up not because she gets sick. There's a, there's a lot of plot points in season six. I kind of forgot how many there were. But so so he's over in Canada setting everything up. I mean, I guess technically he does go back to Birmingham before he goes back to Canada. So yeah. we're probably we're, we're like we're gonna go backwards, and then we're probably gonna jump what we just talked about. Yeah. And then we'll talk about where I was going. Yeah. But so he's in Canada setting all this shit up. I, he meets with Michael. Mm-hmm. That's when he puts the shit in his briefcase to get him arrested so yep. then everything that we had talked about pretty much prior to that happened in between yep. but now he goes back after ruby's death after everyone's left him like michael's now out of jail michael's out of yep. jail and it's known that michael's wants to kill tommy yeah but nobody knows how he's gonna do it everyone thinks you know like it's gonna be a man on man like mano y mano you know Tommy, the way he shows it is he flew over there by himself. Yeah. So he has no no help. Yeah. And they make sure, like, uh, Michael makes sure that no one was there. And all of this fucking shit. And you're like, oh, like, this is it. Like, yeah. And they're meeting at the same, like, bar slash in like tavern, tavern yeah. that they met at the beginning of the season to do the opium trade. Right. I'll let you keep going. And, and so Michael's inside the bar. Mm-hmm. Um. He sends his two cars, like his convoy, to pick up Tommy from... Was it a water plane? Whatever. Yeah. Pick yeah. him up from the plane. However he got there, yeah. And they pull up out front, and you know Michael's smoking, having his drink, has his gun ready to go out there, and then all of a sudden, a massive explosion happens outside. Well, they, they all... So they all go to get in the two... There's two cars out in front of the tavern or the inn, and they all go out there to get in to go somewhere, to like get the opium. or There was They were going right, they to were go going. somewhere... That's what the story was. And Michael's like, I'll ride with Tommy. You guys all follow us. And so they go out there, and right before they're going to get in the car, Michael's like, oh, I forgot my cigarettes inside or whatever. And he goes back into the tavern, and Tommy's like, okay. And you notice, Tommy, there's a little, right, real briefly before he opens the passenger side door and gets in, there's like a noose that's been kind of drawn by finger in the frost right. on the door underneath the door handle. And he kind of like rubs it off with his sleeve and gets in. And so you're like, as you're watching, you're like, well, what was that all about? And so, yeah, like you said, Michael's sitting inside the bar. He takes all his stuff out of his jacket. He's smoking. He's he knows drink. what's about to happen. And then everyone keeps looking at their stopwatches. Boom. Bomb goes because off. Because Tommy's in the front car by himself. Yes. Michael was, it was just going to be yes. the two of them. It was that just going to be the two of them. And all these guys are behind them watching. There's like four dudes in the car behind them. Massive explosion happens. The inn or the tavern's windows get blown Breaking in, all this kind of stuff. Michael's like, I did it. I killed Tommy. He likes he's speaking to his yeah, mom again. Did. He's like, Polly, I did it. The man who is responsible for your death is is it's it's over finally. He's yeah. dead. And he walks out there and the car behind with his dude, the four dudes in it, is on fire. They're all dead. Yeah. 
Tommy gets out of the car and is pointing a gun at him, and he's like, fuck. And so, like, he walks in the middle of the street, and then... And then so... Tommy said some epic thing to him, but I can't remember. I just watched the scene, like, two days ago, too. Well, so, you find out Tommy brought Johnny Dogs over there with him. And while they were inside the tavern doing their whole business transaction deal, yada, 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 Johnny Dogs went out there, switched the dynamite package to the other car, and then he drew the little noose under there saying, like, hey, I got you. It's it's taken care of kind of thing. That was a little signal Dude, to Tommy. I remember So his Johnny Dogs walks up out of the fog. I hope I did it right, Tommy. He's like, I hope it, did I do a good thing here, Tommy, or whatever. And he's and, like shaky. And yeah. Like he's killed people before, right. but he's like shaky with what just happened. Yeah. And then he like looks at, it's a really cool scene because he looks at Michael, like Tommy's pointing the gun at Michael and he looks at Michael and he's just like, bye, Michael. And Michael's just like, goodbye, Johnny. He's like, you're a good man. And then right. Johnny's just like, I'm going to go over here yeah, and watch the fog. Like, and he just like walks away. And then so that's when Tommy and Michael have their little showdown where he's like, talk to me, Michael. Why were you trying to kill me or whatever? And Michael's like, well, you, you were, again, you were responsible for killing my mom. You're like, in so many words, he right. goes about this. And Tommy's basically like, you know, your mom has been haunting me. She's been coming to me in my dreams, but she's going to haunt me no longer. And he just right. He, and then I think shoots, he, shoots I think Michael he just goes, goodbye, Michael. And yeah. And he goes, goodbye, Tommy. Yeah. And shoots him. And, shoots him in the head. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. And then. I think that episode ends like it just yeah it like pans out with him just laying yeah. on like this ground because isn't that like car the, on fire like the the penultimate episode like the one right before the last one I think yeah yeah and then so the that, last one is where I was at already okay so keep keep going on your train of thought now so now Tommy gets back home to Birmingham um, they have one feast down yeah. by like the river they're like gypsy the family is like right after settled. they've like, kind of blown up the mansion everything stuff. seems yeah. kind of fine like tommy's gonna go off yeah and he's kind of springing this on the whole family like ada right. doesn't know nobody knows he's but, like we're having this big send-off and he's like i think every, he's like making all these speeches to people as if he's saying goodbye forever and they're kind of like ada's like what are you doing like what do you you why does it sound right. like you're saying goodbye so so they have this and he just leaves he goes yeah. off by himself no one knows. Yeah. It ends up being that he ends up dying. Everyone believes he's dead. Mm-hmm. And well, he's going off to kill himself, right, he, essentially. He, yeah. Right. He's, but everyone believes he's dead at this point right. when he leaves. Now he's up in the mountains with his horse and his um, gypsy carriage. Yeah, totally solitary. He's by himself right. up in the hills somewhere. I don't think he's doing any drugs or anything. I think nope. he. I think what, what they try and make it out to be is that his tumors creating these visions yeah. and stuff. Um, so he ends up talking to Ruby. So he's talking to himself. Yeah, he has a hallucination. Right. Yeah. Where he sees Ruby and she says all of this stuff, but it's also part of the gypsy beliefs where like you could see this kind of stuff. And, yeah. um, she's like, no dad, you're not, you're not dying. You're not going to die yet. Yeah. I, you know, more or less talk to like God and yeah. no, you're not like that was, that was fake. Yeah. So after he has like this come to moment with his dead daughter, he goes to the doctor's house. Well, hang on. Before he goes to the doctor's house, he looks at a newspaper. Remember, he pulls out a newspaper, and it's Oswald Mowbray's wedding. And it's a picture of the bridesmaids and groomsmen of the wedding. And his, oh, yeah, and the doctor and, is there. And, and Tommy's personal doctor was a groomsman of yep. Oswald Mowbray's at his wedding. He's like, huh, that seems suspicious. And so he burns the so carriage to make it look like he's yeah. dead inside, because I don't think you burn a carriage like that unless, unless like, you're dead. You're 
checking out. Yeah. Right. And so then he's down at the doctor's house. So yeah, he tracks this doctor down at his house. And the doctor's leaving and all yeah. of a sudden Tommy, Tommy whips out a gun and like gets yeah. him and he's like, no, you're not sick. Like, yeah. And I basically forged gets, gets the guy to admit that they, yeah, that they faked x-rays. And so Tommy's basically like, so you all got together and decided that the only person who could kill Tommy Shelby was Tommy Shelby, basically. Right. So they, what they had done was plant the idea in his head that he had an inoperable brain tumor that was going to kill him within a year so that he was going to make a bunch of rash decisions and, just and then hurry up and he would go just kill himself. And he would, it would just remove him from the equation. We're also and missing then he finds this all out. Keep going, keep going. I'm no, just no, saying. No, I, I was kind of done. Oh, yeah. what, what were you going to say? Well, we're missing a massive fight that takes place as well in this fucking. Oh, you're talking about the shootout? The shootout, bro. Yes. Okay, so, yes. so we'll, we'll finish <laughs> wrapping up. We're kind of bouncing around of a little bit because, there's again, there's so many plot points and It'll I keep, keep forgetting people, them, but I keep kind of. They, they pop well, up. As, I'm like, oh, yeah, that happens. As soon as we talk about one thing, I'm like, oh, shit. We totally. Yeah. Like, so yeah. I mean, people that are going to listen to this are going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, he, he doesn't kill the doctor, though. No, he doesn't. He lets him he, go. He more or less gives him instructions to yeah. say, I am dead. Yeah. Like, you're right. I, I died. Right. And you're and going to tell people that yeah. I, I am dead. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of how, like, that's how it ends. Like, yeah. More and it's, or less him, is, it's him riding off on a white horse and his, his little carriage is burning with all right. his stuff in it. So, so if, he's if, dead. if any sort of gypsy or any family member came across that, they'd be like, well, Tommy's gone. Basically. Right. So yeah. he's dead. Everyone thinks he's dead. But now, if we flash back to earlier... Right, so, a little so, bit earlier in the season. So we have <clears throat> Michael Gray's dead, but I wouldn't say that the Boston threat, the American threat is dead because... Right. You, I, I don't think... did Gina didn't die. I don't remember. I don't think she did. I'm actually spacing on what, how that whole thing ended up. I can't remember. I don't now. think she died. I don't think she dies, but she somehow gets kind of... She's no longer a threat to Tommy after he eliminates Michael. But... So where you're leading into is there's this whole... So obviously, a big staple of most Peaky Blinders seasons is Tommy outsmarting everyone, and then somehow he gets he faces some foe who gets him into a corner, and you think that's it for him, and then he somehow weasels his way out of it. That's like most Peaky Blinders seasons, right? So right. it's similar to this one. But um, now in this season, like we talked about, he's got the American, the Boston gangster. He's got the yes. IRA. He's got and the fascist. Uh, yeah, the fascist. He's got himself, and then... He's, he's still shit. We didn't even bring in um, the Jew. What was the Jew? Guy? Alfie. Alfie. Solomons. Alfie's back. Yep. We you know he he plays a role in all of yes. this shit too. So like he's got all these enemies or allies. No one fucking knows. Right. And very powerful players. Right. Like powerful political figures. So they've all kind of Michael as part of his revenge plot to try and kill Tommy has orchestrated this whole thing to where he's going to kill Tommy, but whilst that's happening, they're going to use the IRA people and that, that, that one chick who's like kind of representing she's, she's the like Irish She's like the general IRA. of the IRA. Yeah. Utilize them to take out Arthur and the rest of the blinders, yep. basically. So there's the... What's the name of their, um, their inn or their bar that they own? Uh, fuck, what's it called? I can't remember. I, I'm spacing on the name. They have like... The, the Shelby's and the Blinders own a bar in Birmingham, and it's got a specific name, and I, I forget what it is. Anyway, um, they go there. like So, again, Tommy, going over what we just talked about, sniffed out Michael's plan and ended up getting the better of him and their kind of mono-e-mono showdown. But 
the other plot that Michael had kind of set up. The garrison. Up, the garrison. That's right. The garrison. The other plot that Michael had kind of set up was that the IRA was going to take out Arthur and the rest of the Shelbys, right? So it's like this foggy night in Birmingham. Like it's not very well lit streets. It's all foggy. Like kind of classic, you know. Right. 19. Early 1900s Birmingham right. shots that have been throughout the series of Peaky Blinders. Like just you know, like the real, working city. Real grimy. It's greasy yeah. everywhere. It's like a factory city. There's smoke and all this kind of stuff. So there, Arthur like agrees to meet with this IRA lady at the bar, or he's supposed to be there with his wife or something. That's the story. And then the IRA people are going to show up and have him killed, essentially. Right. And there's a cool thing of like he's walking up, um, and he has. Uh, so there's a few other blinders still left who have served in World War One. So there's with the, Arthur. the the preacher who there's is the preacher guy. Um, yeah. why, why, I said his name earlier. The black, it's his dad. Um. Yeah. Ah. Uh, uh, shit. Jeremiah. Jedediah, but it's not Jedediah. Is it, is it Jeremiah. No, it's fuck. <laughs> the names are escaping me as we're talking about this. But so there's a few guys that Arthur is still like trust implicitly and were um allies with him and soldier and fought with him in World War One. And so he's like walking into the the garrison for this meeting that they've kind of set up. And obviously Tommy has sniffed out this plan and Arthur has been made aware of it that he's going to be assassinated this night at the garrison by so the IRA. Isaiah is Isaiah. The- that's right. Okay. So they're walking in and Arthur says something to there's like a the preacher sitting outside acting like he's like a homeless man, like a beggar with his little change thing or something like that. And Arthur asks him something, and he replies in a way that, like, in code tips him off that they're coming or whatever, right. or, like, how many people are in there or something. They have it all. Like, Arthur is ahead of them, kind right. of. Right. And anyway, the IRA people come in. Arthur gets the jump on them. And then he has – isn't it Isaiah is set up as, like, a sniper across the street, kind yeah. of hidden up on, like, a ledge of a building or something? Anyway, they somehow, like, they're going to walk them out into the street and kill them somewhere else. And so I'm talking about Arthur and the blinders are going to walk the IRA people out into the street and kill them somewhere else. And then somehow they like get the jump on them and everyone like scatters, gets their guns out and runs off into the night, into the shadows. And then starts this kind of epic, like 15, 20 minute long shootout sequence in this quiet Birmingham street at night in the fog where they're kind of slipping in amongst the shadows and saying things to each other and, you know, shooting bullets at each other that ricochet off these like steel like poles and all this kind of stuff, and they find out the the IRA people find out that Isaiah is like perched on a roof somewhere as a sniper for backup and all this kind of stuff. And anyway, they end up throwing out these like gas these, like chemical grenades. gas it's like, like probably weapons. mustard gas. It's probably mustard gas because you know obviously anyone who knows anything about World War One knows that like a lot of chemical warfare was used during that war. So anyway, they throw this shit out into the street. And Arthur and the rest of the blinders put on gas masks. Right. And so they're in like their peaky blinders, like trench coats and, and gloves and everything with, gas with these, masks with these creepy looking gas masks on. And they basically, you know, the IRA people are like choking, kind and of And they can hear them coughing. Yeah, they can hear them coughing. So they go find them or whatever. And, and then Arthur like leans down to that IRA lady and says something of like, you killed my Aunt Polly and she was a great woman or something like that. This is for Aunt Polly and just and guns are down yep. basically. It's a pretty crazy 
whole sequence and it's a very badass sequence of how Dude, it's just a crazy and because there's I, like one of the one of the most badass lines uh in the whole that whole series is when that whole thing is finalized when it's when it's all done they take the gas mask off and they go and they walk over and they sit down on the curb like right in front of the garrison and the preacher or whoever it was walks over and he's trying to say something to them and arthur's like him and Isaiah and whoever else. It he, was um, their. I think it's their cousin or their uncle who runs like the, that's the docks. What it is. It's like their uncle yeah. or something. He was going up to say something like that and or say something to them. And Arthur's like, "Go away, Uncle So and So." I forget what that guy's name is. He's like, I was trying to find it too. And he's I like, "We're still it. in, uh, what, what, like Versailles or yeah. uh, is that what he says? One, it was. Yeah. It's one of the battles. One of the one of the famous battles in World War One. He's like." We're still in wherever. And it's basically like it was a clever way of saying like, hey, we need a minute because this just took us back to World War I. We're going to need a minute to kind of – I'm not ready to talk yet. (laughs) Right. And then I think he just goes and sits down on the other side because he, I think, also fought in World War I with him. I want to say – I forget what the name of the battle he says they fought in. He's like, we're still in where we're still in France, somewhere in France or something. I think it's, it's Versailles. The it's, Battle of Versailles. Yeah, was a- it's a name of one of the big famous World War One battles. But anyway, I thought that was a really cool moment because he's like, "Hey, thanks for helping us out, like kill these bad people." But we need a minute because I'm having flashbacks of you know well, surviving I've, this terrible war. Watching basically. that for the first time, I was like, I don't want any of the Shelbys to die because you're like, I'm I was like all Team Peaky Blinders and yeah. like, yeah, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, this is when Arthur's going to die, isn't it? Like, he's yeah. going to get, like, hit, but he's going to be able to kill everybody, yeah. and then he's going to bleed out. Because I think he ended up being hit anyways in, like, yeah. the arm. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, this is when he's going to die, and, like, it's going to suck because yeah. he's already died before yeah. for the family and all this shit. And then at the end, you're like, oh, he's not going to die. Yeah. Like, this is fucking... And it was a really cool moment, too, because it was a return to form for Arthur, who had been basically just laying around getting high all season. Yeah. And like totally out of commission, and now it's like okay, Arthur's got his shit under control. Now he's he's helping people out and like doing what needs to be done to save the family and all this kind of stuff. So so now we have one player. I mean, I wouldn't say they're eliminated, but you have like the main person that has been interacting with the group of elitists. I guess you could say she's now gone. Mm-hmm. But it's like, <clears throat> what does that do to the IRA? Does the IRA go okay? We can't fuck with Tommy Shelby anymore because. You know, look what he did to us, mm-hmm. and he doesn't even have an army. Like, that's a yeah. fucking army. Yeah. So, do they sit, jump, like, like they just left so many loose ends that they need to tie yeah. up that it's like, how it's, are they going to go without cramming too much shit in? Like, that's where yeah. it's like, make a six to ten episode season to wrap that's, it up, because two yeah. and a half hours is going to be two and a half episodes, and we still need to figure out what happens with the fascist side. Yeah. Is the IRA completely done? What happens in the U.S. Yeah. side? Like, what happens to the rest of the Shelby family? Mm-hmm. Like, are we going to cram too much shit in two and a half hours? Or is yeah. it going to be, like, just answering loose ends Yeah. Quickly? So, that's kind of why I asked you, and I think right after I finished it, I had asked you what you initially, like, what your initial thoughts were of season six. Because... On the one hand, they do tie up a bunch of stuff, and then on the other hand... They open up a bunch of There's a of lot stuff. of stuff that's not fully resolved, and... I think part of that's intentional because it seems like he had plans to do this Peaky Blinders movie, which I'm cool with. But like you said, I'm not sure. Depending on... It seems like to me 
the main storyline and the main villain is still going to be Oswald Mowbray and the fascist party. And since since we've kind of heard it has something to do with World War II, I'm assuming that's who who's like the main big main villain is going to be. Right. But like you said, in this two two and a half hour movie, are they going to wrap up all these other little like smaller plot lines? And also, there's there's a bunch of questions around like uh, how does Duke play into the whole future of the Peaky Blinders and right, like how's that whole thing going to work? <clears throat> Is he going to reconcile with Lizzie? You know, like, there's a lot of stuff that's still and and the whole interaction and the whole uh, dynamic with Gray, the Gray uncle, the the Boston guy is. That didn't really get tied up. I, I felt like after in a really Michael died, you didn't. Definitive there was way nothing either. that happened yeah. with that. But again, if we think World War Two and we think actual history, if they're trying to kind of go back, the U.S. didn't jump into World War Two till we were attacked at Pearl Harbor. Like we right. were like, no, we're kind of like, yeah, we're on both sides. Like we're gonna help supply arms and shit, but mm-hmm. like we're not gonna like condone and say we're going to war with yeah. you until you like cross a certain line. So it's yeah. like. Does that play a role into, you know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just trying to, like, find an idea of how they so, tie back into it. I agree. It's it's interesting to see if the movie format is going to work for tying everything up the way we're kind of hoping. Because there was a lot of stuff that did get resolved, but there was a lot of stuff that is definitely left not super open-ended, but it's like that wasn't a very definitive closing to that plot line. Right. You know what I mean? And like I said, he clearly had plans to do this movie, so he, he's got to leave some sort of material to right. cover for the movie. But, you know, if you were just... But did he leave let, himself too much material well, yeah, to cover? And, and let's say you never end up seeing the movie, or let's say you were just watching the show with no idea that a, that a movie was coming down the pike, would you be satisfied with that finale? No. I, I was a little bit like... It wasn't. It's not the worst series finale I've ever seen, but it's not the best either. Well, so that's the thing is they're like, this is the the series finale, and at the very end, I go, nah. There's gonna be something else released afterwards because there's way too much shit yeah. to tighten up and and close out. Like a gangster doesn't just ride off on a white horse after everything that just happened yeah. this season. Like that's that. There's nothing that closed. Like especially when he's got. Clearly, he's got people he still wants to remove from right. the board. Like, so whatever like, this game is he's playing. You know? Well, and, and nothing ever came of, like, the whole talking to Winston Churchill. Like, there's right. certain things that have gone on the whole time that are still, like, what the fuck? Like, we still don't know much about the whole socialist movements uh-huh. and stuff. Like, like, there's so much shit that it's, like, r- wrap it up, but please do it in the right way. Because switching gears a little bit, as I just watched Game of Thrones again and finished it last week... Season eight, every everything up to season eight, you're like, all right, season eight's gonna fucking like pop yeah. off, and then they're like six episodes, and we're done, and it's and like, it just whoa, didn't whoa, tie whoa. up a lot of stuff. I think if you really start talking about the broader TV culture and massive successful series that people have gotten really attached to, that is a huge problem that, and it's a huge factor that goes into people saying I was either satisfied with that finale or I was not satisfied with that finale is if you actually tie up all the plot lines that you've right. been you know, unfurling throughout this, this and series. And some series do it really well. Like I think Breaking Bad is the shining example, the gold standard of that, where it tied everything up with a bow. It's a fantastic wrap-up to the series and all of the individual plot lines. Game of Thrones is probably one of the worst examples. Right, where they just one of the greatest shows ever yeah, made. Where they just did you know season after season after season of expanding and adding more plot lines and more plot lines and more characters, 
and then just and wrapped just, up about 10% of that. It's right. like, well, what the fuck? Like, and they didn't even wrap it up. They just like cut it. Yeah, like, like, well, this is and it. We're done. done. Yeah. So that's what left people so mad. I did not have that same sort of frustration and anger with the Peaky Blinders finale. Like I said, I, I think it's probably somewhere between the Game of Thrones and the Breaking Bad thing of like, it's a... Right. I'm not pissed, but I think it could have been a little better. But I understand that he has plans for this movie. Like, I, it's, I don't think he was saying... This is it forever on Peaky Blinders, so right, just but, be happy with this or or don't. But you know? at the release of it, there wasn't any speculation of a season seven. They're like, this is it. Like, this is the end. And then it ends off, and you're like, that can't be the end. Like, there has to be. Yeah. And by the time, you know, you get to the end, they're like, yeah, there's going to be something that finished, tops it off. Yeah. And it's like, okay. That makes me sleep a little bit better, but it's like, don't rush the ending because you've done so well through six seasons don't fucking ruin it with a piss poor ending that just yeah. like jumps. Like I want to see certain things close. And so it's like, if you can close it through a six or 10 episode season, why not? Mm. Why not do yeah. that and, and release it? But I think they might go for more of like, like you said, they're going to have the money to make a full box office production. Yes. So I think it's more of a box office reach then. And, the downfall with a lot of shows is people get parts in other shows and want like yeah. John, his character apparently was never supposed to die. Okay. But they killed him off because he didn't want to be a part of Peaky Blinders anymore. Yeah. So he could go on different. Right. He's off doing other stuff. Right. Yeah. Booking other roles. So I get shows can be hard like that. Kind of like Steve Carell in the office. He took Hollywood jobs, which are going to pay a lot more than the office was. But then you see how successful The Office was, and everyone's not like, oh, Steve Carell from 40-Year-Old Virgin. They're like, oh, you mean Michael from The Office. Yeah. But, I mean, some of that, too, is I, I can understand. It's I For sure, some of it is like, hey, I want to go get paid stupid amounts of money to right. be in Marvel movies or whatever you want to go do. But I do I think... Some, Robert Downey Jr. He's like, nah, I'm done with Marvel <laughs> movies. Let's go to something else. But I think some of it is, for sure, there are actors who they have ambitions career-wise beyond the financials of it where they're like, I just want to go experiment and do other types of roles. You right. know, it's like, if I've been on this show, even if it's really successful for however many years, then I think a lot of people probably have some sort of a number in their head of like, okay, I've done this for three, four, five, six, eight years, whatever it right. is. I'm ready to move on and do something else. I, I've kind of gotten, I've squeezed all of the character there is out of this character I want to go do, I want to try, I want to push myself creatively in a different direction. Right. I can totally understand that. I was going to say the one thing that I'm kind of, what builds excitement about the movie for me is that it'll be, it'll have a movie budget and he'll be able to do, like I think it'll, it seems to me like he'll probably set it up to be, okay, for people who have watched the show, you're familiar with all these characters. We might do a little bit of, wrapping up of plot lines from the show, a little bit more character development on some of them. But for people coming in who have never seen Peaky Blinders, they'll be like, hey, here's what you need to know. There's this badass gangster organization from the early 20th century in Birmingham, England. This is during World War II. They're involved in some badass sort of spy mission that helps with World War II somehow. Right. I think that's probably going to be what it is. So it's going to be like kind of a bigger eventized style thing then of like some sort of a show. mission. So it'll be kind of like a nice little end note to the series, but you should look at the series probably as its own thing. That's that, that's just my guess. That theory could be completely wrong. Um, but I am kind of excited to see how he takes it into 
World War II because I think you know I have talked about it. We love World War II stuff, and and I think right. the merging of World War II history and one of my favorite shows, Peaky Blinders, is very exciting. Well, and I'm me. not I'm not disappointed <clears throat> with season like how season six went at all, but it's one of those things like I just want to make sure that the cap of this is like satisfying at least, yeah. so that I can be like, wow, that was like when I go rewatch it all again, I'm like. You're looking forward to the end, whereas like yeah. Game of Thrones, you rewatch it, and then like season seven ends, and you're like, "Do I want to watch season eight? Like, yeah. I'm going to, but like, I could do without, mm-hmm. and I'd feel good. So it's, I don't know. I just want to make sure that it's not a disappointment to how a great series through six seasons gets wrapped up. Yeah, I I will say. Having seen the whole series at this point, season three, I think, is my favorite season. Whatever one he fights Luca Cengretta. That's, that's season three. That's yeah. my favorite. Is it your favorite, too? Dude, I really liked that season. That season so was super good. badass. Although there are parts of the first couple of seasons that I really like. In fact, I kind of want to go rewatch some of the earlier seasons because Sam Neill playing that uh, uh, the Chief Inspector Campbell Campbell was a really good Mr. villain. Actually. He was a really good villain. They had really excellent villains throughout that Dude, whole show. There was and and I liked how it progressively <clears throat> got bigger as, yeah, as they got more and more powerful and more scary. As the Peaky Blinders slowly eliminated the smaller threats that were yeah. kind of on their level or maybe a little bit above them. Yeah. Like like the gunfight that killed um fuck, what was his name? Like in season one. Um Shit! What the fuck was his name? The gunfight that killed Billy Kimber. Yeah, the oh, gunfight yeah. that killed Billy Kimber. Billy Kimba. Like it. W- it was a bigger bookie against the Peaky Blinders. Yeah, and then this was just about like horse racing and <laughs> right, who right. the bookies were. And when the armies, you know, armies, the gangs marched on each other in the streets of Birmingham, it was like, okay, he clearly has a, a bigger advantage. He's got more money, which means he yeah. can hire more guys than the Peaky Blinders. But the Peaky Blinders are family, which means they're not going to turn on each other for more yeah. money. And then they shoot him, and you know, the ends, and everyone's like, "Yeah, no one else needs to die." And everyone's like, "Yeah, we're good." And, yeah, you know, we're gonna go see our family, and they like walk <laughs> off. And I'm like, "So he just inherited all of Billy Kimber's shit, more or less. Yeah. Maybe not his men, but yeah, his shit." And then like the empire just started growing and growing. And every yeah. single season, it was just like a bigger enemy that he found a way to outsmart and and beat because of like his trust. And it was like, and I really like his sort of frenemy relationship with Alfie Solomon oh, yeah. throughout the whole show. And just Tom Hardy's just fucking fantastic in that role. He's fantastic in anything he does, but Alfie Solomon's is a really good character. And Tom Hardy, you can tell he's just fucking loving every minute of when, those scenes. When you went, when um, Tommy shot and killed um, Alfie on the beach and yeah. then took his dog <laughs> and then he goes back I think it was it was the season after or like a, the, two seasons later or whatever it was and Alfie goes well I can't remember the dog's name but he goes how is he and he goes oh he's doing good yeah we, we he, keep him well fed. he asks about his dog yeah, yeah and he's like he's, he's doing good he's like I have your dog still and he's doing great and he's like alright well I can't see shit and he's like yeah I brought you new binoculars yeah. to look at the boats and he goes ooh that's a nice boat and I'm like this is fucking yeah, great this yeah. is Alfie's so quirky and it's funny how like in this last season he's all about like every time Tommy goes to see him because Tommy I think that's one thing we forgot to mention too so following Tommy killing Michael, the whole the car blowing up, them meeting at that tavern tavern in Canada. Tommy goes into the tavern and Alfie's in there. Remember, 
And he like I think he gives him the money that was going to be paid to Tommy for the opium or something like that. And it was all part of some deal that Tommy had set up with Alfie earlier in the season that we right. didn't see. And uh, Tommy's sitting there having a drink or whatever, smoking a cigarette. And Alfie's wandering around. And the whole season, every time Tommy and Alfie had interacted, Alfie's talking about he's making an opera about right. his life or something, and that's what he's solely focused on. He's making an opera. So, like, Alfie's this weird character where he's this badass, intimidating, murderous gangster, but he's also really quirky. Like, he likes to just sit and look at boats, and he likes he likes opera and, like, weird stuff. But he... Alfie has some little line to Tommy. Like, Tommy's about to sit there and be like, wow, man, like, a lot of crazy shit just happened to me. You know, I think I'm going to do this with my life. Yada, yada, yada. I'm, I'm obviously just paraphrasing, but... Alfie says something to him of like, if you're about to go on some long philosophical existential right. ponderous moment, save it for someone who actually gives a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I don't really care, basically. <laughs> and Tommy's just kind of like smirks a little bit. He's like, this is why I like Alfie. Right. You know, this is well, why I keep Alfie around. And you know he's an ally because Alfie is the leader of the Jewish gang, mm -hmm. which, as we all know from the fascist movement... They don't like yeah. the impurities right. is what they would call So obviously them. the Jews not fond of the fascist no. movement. Yeah. So and now they versa. can be friends after right. they were once mortal enemies right. and right. killed him and What a fun series, man. I had a I had a blast watching. I'm, I'm I was when we did the first podcast on this back in February, I was like, Man, June seems like a long time away to wait Dude, to, so to drop long. on Netflix. I'm gonna have to rewatch the series soon. It, it's honestly one of those series that it, I don't do a ton of rewatching entire series, but if I was going to, Peaky Blinders would be one of them for sure. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite series of well, all time. Speaking it's, it's of so favorite good. series, <clears throat> I was thinking about this before we really started the episode. We might have to revisit our favorite, um, our favorite TV series bracket because since we did that episode two years ago, that was, that was one of our first episodes i've watched a lot more shows yeah like i can I'm, we can revisit it if i'm currently want. watching like big bang theory okay it's not for everyone but it's yeah. you know it's i've never been really partial to uh big bang theory but it's it's funny i mean it, it it's kind of like big big brains like some yeah. of the shit they talk about it's like all right get your actors i know you guys are probably pretty smart in real life too mm -hmm. but like come on like we can do without all this like but you're you're thinking you might pick some different although i, I don't know if your your favorite show probably hasn't changed right because you picked the office i picked the I think, office right? i mean game of thrones is definitely the the issue with that bracket was all of my like top four shows were in one side i would yeah. probably move sons of anarchy out because i don't think i had watched peaky blinders by the time we had done that yeah so and i think that was what kind of started i know i had told you about it for years but that was definitely one of those episodes where i was like if you haven't seen peaky blinders you need to do yourself a favor and watch it because it's it's fucking amazing and i know we had discussed like band of brothers and pacific aren't necessarily a tv show but we yeah. included them kinda like just kind of together to, yeah but like like that's if we're not going to include there's a tv show i would have to say it's probably like the Office, Game of Thrones, and Peaky Blinders are all like mushed together. I like, love it. I love you almost it, have to put commas to separate them. Instead I, it, of numbers. it always it always makes me happy when I could put someone on a show and it ends up being one of their favorite shows. Like I, I love that. dude because and it's it's kind of weird. Peaky Blinders seems like it's kind of flown under the radar for a lot of people. Like I know it's got a core fan following, but I think there's a lot of people that haven't seen it, and it's a really underrated show. It's I a think the reason show. is because it's a BBC production. Yeah, yeah. So, it's not on an HBO. Yeah. It was 
when it's released, it's released on BBC, not released right. through Netflix or Thankfully, Hulu Netflix or whatever. got the rights to it and released it and distributed it in the United States on Netflix because it, right. it, go, it reaches a far broader audience than it would if it was just BBC. But it's one of my all-time favorite shows, man. I, Dude, I'm a huge so Binders fan. So good. All right. Well, I probably got to get going. So should we wrap this up? Yeah. So that was, that was, we'll that was a good conversation. Football. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, we were talking. That's about how quick season we, six ended. Sometimes we were kind of debating as I got over here. We were gonna f- honestly like just flip a coin and either talk about football being back or Peaky Blinders. But we've been talking about doing this follow up to Peaky Blinders for season six for quite a while now. So here it is. Thanks for everybody tuning in. Yes. Um, Go we'll, watch it if you haven't seen it. Yeah. You stuck through. Probably everything we said didn't make sense, or it's going to excite you to go yeah. see it. Or or go give it a rewatch. Um, tell all your friends about it because it's a fantastic show. And tell all your um, friends about Just Browsing. And tell your friends about Just Browsing and our episodes of The Peaky Fucking Blindness. Wow. So we will see you all um, hopefully next week. Football is technically back today. We have like the, what are they, whatever week they call zero. it, like week zero for college football. High school football kicked off. I was at a high school football game last night. So. Football's back. We got like week one of college football next Starts weekend, and then uh, Thursday of that that week is week one of NFL. So football is right around the corner. So so we'll do a football episode, kind of like a, I would say it's probably going to be an all encompassing NFL um, college football discussion. Just kind yeah. of just not like a hype podcast. I mean, I'll I'll know a lot more about the NFL than I will about college, just because college yeah. is a revolving door these days. Yeah. But like. It'll just be more football talk yeah. overall. So yeah. tune in to that man. when we get that out. Football season's back. Thank God, because baseball... Go. I was going to go... I was going to say, uh, baseball doesn't cut it for me. I am watching the Derek Jeter documentary on ESPN Plus called The Captain, and that is a lot of fun to watch, but that's back when I used to... That era is like when I actually played baseball and paid attention right. and i don't really anymore but it's because the rockies suck now we'll be back to uh some football which is which is great so it's thanks everybody sports. for tuning in go watch the peaky blinders listen to more episodes of the just browsing we appreciate your support yes we do and we will talk to you next week for some football yes we will all right everybody thanks everybody see ya